Oh, welcome back, family, to another episode of the Grateful Together podcast. I am your host, Jasmine Chanel, and I am super, super humbled. I know I normally say I'm excited. I'm excited, but I am super humbled with everything that I'm about to pour out in this message. I do want to give you a disclaimer up front so y'all are not like, girl. <laughs> This one may be a little long because I have a lot of information that I want to cover. I have three, <laughs> look at God. I have three different things that I've used to put this one episode together. That ain't nobody but God. Three in one. Thank you, Father. I've told you guys, the Lord has been so profound in using the number three in my life. And I am so grateful because I know that when I see it or when something comes to me, I know that it's from God, especially when I see number three. So because we know that God is three and one, the Father, the Holy, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's all one. Right. So um, I want to break down. Um, first of all, the title, as you can see, is unthinkably good things. One, two, three. Right. That's three words. Right. And they have three different meanings. Right. So. Um, I got this title from a movie that I watched. I've been watching it and watching it, but I've never, I don't know, I could never, it never pulled me in. And a couple of days ago, I kept seeing it pop up on YouTube. And I was like, oh, I see, I kept watching this movie. And then one day, I went back to watch it on Philo, I think, but it wasn't there. I didn't save it. So I was like, oh, man. So I ended up watching it on YouTube the other day. Mind you, I first seen it like months ago. I watched it, but I could never get into it. So I never fully watched it. I never could understand. I kept saying, I can't really get into this message. But the other day, something said, you know, go ahead and watch it. So I said, okay. So I watched it in full for the first time um, three, uh, <laughs> not three nights ago, but a total of three days. So not yesterday, but the day before that. So today's the third day, right? Um, that I actually have finished and gotten the message out. So I'm just like, okay, Lord. Um, and the crazy thing about it is on that same day, I seen that in my Publix app, I had a free flower bouquet. Um, and literally the flowers that I got was the same colors and flowers that's in the um, thumbnail or the movie, like, yeah, the movie thumbnail. And when I looked at the flowers, I was like, wait, why does this look so familiar? So then when I looked up the movie, the you know, I don't know what the cover art of the movie. I don't know what it's called. But the when you pull up the movie, the picture that comes up, it's like this picture full of colors. There's flowers. And then there's three women at the bottom. And there's three men at the top. And basically, in a nutshell, this movie has, like I said, three women. It's about three women um, who end up basically finding love. And that meaning of love is different for each one of them. Come on, God. So basically, this is a message about love. And coming, or you should have already heard it at this point. When I'm recording, you haven't heard it yet. But once I put this out, you will have already watched the message that I released on Valentine's Day. Because this is coming out after Valentine's Day. So this is just going to sum up what I said about the trips from Savannah. So what I'm going to be dissecting today is basically God's love, like the word love and what it means and how it's defined and where you find it. If you look in the right places, you will find like, it's been so many different things. Um, and I've learned so much about love within the last couple of days, the way God has been giving it to me. So I want to break it down and give it to you. Um, and like I said, I'm using three different things that 
have been experienced to me. I'm using this movie. I'm using um, Bible verses, the Bible, of course, and I'm using my trip to Savannah um, because that was a trip of love. God was revealing the the innermost meaning of what his love entails. And that's why I want to break it down. And I pray that you hear it the way God gave it to me. And like I said, this is going to be long-winded. I already know that because I have literally two pages of notes and I have things in my head. I have so many Bible verses and so many things that I'm pretty sure is just going to come up over as I continue to speak. So I pray that you hear it all, okay? I pray that you hear it all. I pray that it's not too long-winded, but I pray that it's engaging that you stick around to hear it because the message behind this is so profound. So first of all, before I dive into it, I just want to look at what the three words means that the title of this podcast is. Unthinkable. Look at me. I'm stumbling already unthinkably good things. So the word unthinkable means too unlikely or undesired, uh, undesirable to be considered. So it's too far-fetched. Like it's too just something that's just like, I can't, it doesn't make sense. I can't. Okay. And then the word good means to be desired or approved of. The word things means all that can be described in a specific way or another word for it is many. Another word for it is something that's characterized that it does not have a specific name. So that's where you get the word many from. Because a thing could be people, places, or things. Come on, Lord. Three things, right? It could be a it's a wide variety of things. So basically what this whole podcast episode is going to be based off of is Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20. And I'm going to turn there in my Bible because I turned away from there. Um... Because like I said, I have so many, um, let me hear my Bible turning y'all. I'm so happy about my Bible. Okay. But you're going to hear me turning back and forth because I have my physical Bible and I have my notepad. So if you hear the pages cooking, that's just me. And these are like fairly thin, like I'm turning it out just so you'll know, but <sighs> okay, let's get started. So this whole podcast episode is based off one prayer in the book of song. Oh no, Ephesians. It's a prayer in the book of Ephesians. We're reading from Ephesians 3, um, 314. So it's a prayer for spiritual power. So I'm going to read this prayer. So it says, starting at 14, for this reason, I kneel before the father whom from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the power in your inner being through his spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So just stopping right now, I want to let you guys know that this is everything I said in the beginning, right? When I read this, you guys, I was mind blown because I was like, God, this is what I've already been saying. Like you have really been taking me on a journey of defining what your love is. This prayer from Ephesians 3, 14 to 3, 19 gives you the definition of what God love is, what God's love is. We know that God is love. I talked about that in the message from the car ride to Savannah that God is love and what his love entails. But this breaks it down in a nutshell. It lets you know from that first sentence to the last, what it means to understand Christ's love. Like 
I was mind blown about this. And then when you drop down in 20, it lets you know that once you understand the depth of God's love, what comes with his love. So 320 says, now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So in a nutshell, it's the title, Unthinkably Good Things. God's love is so many different things, but it's one thing. Come on, three in one. It's so many deaths to God's love. And when you understand that, you know how to move in God's love. You know what comes with God's love. We cannot, we cannot <laughs> go, continue to go along and not understand what his love represents. And for so long, you know, like I said, we know God is love and, and everything like that. But once I read this, you guys, and once God took me on this journey of just dissecting what it means to actually understand his love, his perfect love, his everlasting love, this is it. This is it. And this is the Christian Standard Bible. So some of the things, some of the words are a little different because, you know, I don't know what um, translation you read, but this is the Bible I have at CSB. So again, that was Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. Um, no, through 21. I'm sorry, through 21. So when I read that, I was like, oh, this is this is it. This is it. This is everything that this message is going to tell you, but in so many parts from so many things that God has been doing in me. So as you guys know, I took a trip to Savannah, right? Um, so I guess I'll give you the backstory. So what led up until up to that time? Um, I had so I had a resting period where I was supposed to be resting from the time I left my job until it was time to start school. To my surprise, I did not realize that school was going to be starting a week after um I ended my job. I thought I was going to have more time because I don't know. I remember starting school in January, but I don't remember it being like in the beginning of January. And then it also was spring term. So when I think of spring, I don't think of January. But of course, like I said, I've started, I've been in school for a while. So I know that it started in January, but I was thinking it was like the end of January. So anyways, to my surprise, I only had one week to plan and prepare. But God was like, no, you need to rest because you're about to hit the ground running. And I don't want you to be weary in well-doing, come on. I don't want you to be weary in what I'm calling you to do because it's bigger than what you expected. And that just goes back to everything I've been saying up until today, to the day that you hear this, that what you carry may seem small, but it is a heavy load. And what God showed me is that I've been trying to carry it in my own strength and my hands are blistering because I'm carrying too much weight. My hands are blistering because it's in my hands. But if I lay it in his hands, he got it. All I have to do is continue to walk, continue to trust him, continue to walk in the footprints that he's paved along the sand. If I trust him, I don't have to trust what I see or what I know or trust myself because I trust it in his hands. It reminds, and it's crazy because when he gave me this, I saw the little Allstate Hands building like over on the south side of Jacksonville. And I started laughing because I'm like, what is Allstate's uh, theme or whatever, motto? All states, you're in good hands, or are you in good hands, or something like that. Basically, whose hands are you putting it in? Whose hands are you in? So, um, I ended up passing through my resting time and not actually resting. So, when it came time to be busy, 
building. And that's why I went back and I told you guys, when God is calling you to rest, rest. When God is calling you to build, you need to be busy building because when it's time to build, just like Noah built that ark, he didn't have time to stop. He built and built and built. Of course, I'm sure he had time in between to do the small things. Use the bathroom, eat food, get a little rest. But for the most part, those things are not mentioned in the Bible. So that lets you know it wasn't important. His resting time wasn't important. The important part was for him to build because God had spoke. He gave him instruction and he wanted him to execute. And I also remind you guys that even in the building, sometimes you may feel like God is silent, but that's because he lets you know what his plans are. He gives you an instruction. He makes sure you understand this. And then he's sitting there. He's still there. He's watching you. He's watching you build. And if you're wrong, he'll speak to you. He'll let you know, like, hey, listen, because for me, God had told me, like, okay, you're you're walking into your busy season, but you're resting. So you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I need you to get busy back building and not be resting because your resting period is over. And I was like, oh, you know, you're right, Lord. You know, I, I did extend my resting period back, but that's because I didn't steward my resting period correctly. So my, that was my message to you guys. Steward whatever season you're in correctly. If he's calling you to rest, sit down and breathe. Rest because when it's time for you to get up and get answer that call of being busy building, it's going to be big. Like I know that it looks small, but it's going to be big. Like I told you guys with the umbrella situation, the umbrella may have been small, but it covered us. She may have seen me carrying a lot, but I had it. Not because it was in my hands, but because of the strength. Because God is the renewal of strength. Even though what I was carrying looked small of what was covering me, it was big. I did not get hit by a raindrop. And it wasn't storming outside. And as I walked up, I didn't have to use a hand that I didn't have. Because I got one hand holding my son. The other hand, my son was holding the... um holding my purse up in his by his body so i'm holding my son i'm holding him and i'm holding the umbrella in another hand and i'm walking towards the door and the door opens for me so when you don't have enough hands god will lend his hand or not lend but he will give you his hand he will use his hands to open the doors that need to be open for you to walk in swiftly i told you guys that <laughs> that's his love when you at least spend when you get there and you're walking you're like oh god i feel like i'm about to fall i feel like i'm about to stumble i feel like i'm not doing it well god shows up and he says nope i got you i don't care what it looks like on the outside you think that it wasn't hard for noah building that boat when everybody around him like what a flood what is a flood what is rain i mean what what are you talking about but look what happened he stood the test of time and he passed and that was a process. He went through one process just to get to another process. And I'm pretty sure in his mind, he probably was like, okay, Lord, when it's going to be over, I wasn't expecting this. It wasn't what I expected. But don't be blindsided by the promise that you don't do the work and do it correctly because I would hate for you to be like me. In a resting period, I was sitting there planning and preparing when God told me, no, sit down, breathe, rest, watch TV, spend time in my presence so that it's, when it's time for you to go, I need you to go. You've done the preparating. Sit down. Take five, seven days. I had a week, seven days to rest. But I chose to not rest. And now I'm burnt out, you guys. I told you this. I'm tired. But I said, hey, Lord, I asked him, I said, can I have one day where I can just go and enjoy what it is that you've called me to do? Let me just reset and come back because I didn't steward where you called me to correctly. I had to take accountability. I didn't steward the 
resting period correctly. So I said, Lord, can I please have one day to go and do what you called me to do? And I said, if you tell me no, that's okay because it's my fault. I should have listened because your word was clear. But I did what I thought I could do in my own strength. And God showed up and he said, you know, he allowed me to go. And I said, okay, cool. And I said, well, what day do you want me to go? What day do you want me to go? And so I kept seeing like the 27, 27, 27, 27, 27. Uh, one of my previous um, co-workers at my old job, um, one of her daughters um, just had, had just had a 27th birthday. And then um, somebody else had a 27th birthday when I got on Instagram, or not Instagram, on Facebook, one of my best friends, her cousin turned 27. Like, I kept seeing 27 everywhere. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, you know, are you call, Are you saying that I can go on the 27th? I said, because, and I had asked him, I said, can I go for my birthday? My birthday was on the 23rd. But I said, you know, can I go on either the 20th or the 27th? And so I said, you know, whatever you show me is what I'll accept. And so I kept seeing 27, 27, like, everywhere. And I said, okay, I prayed about it again. And he confirmed it. I said, okay, cool. And then I said, well... Um, I was like, the reason I, I prayed about Georgia was because I kept seeing like Georgia everywhere, everywhere. When I tell you, I kept seeing Georgia. So I was like, Lord, you want me to go to Georgia? And I was like, well, where in Georgia? And I had remembered, I was like, oh, I really wanted to go back to Savannah because the last time I went, I went with my family a couple of years ago and we went down to Paula Deans when she still had the like open buffet. And so I was like, well, I don't really want to go to Paula Deans, but I was like, I really would enjoy going back to Savannah. I could go down to River Street, eat my food at the shrimp factory and walk down the other side and get my candies and, you know, call it a day. And so, so there was this YouTuber that I used to watch and, um, she was on a reset trip and I was like, I wonder where she's at. This is before she had released where she was. And I saw her mug and said Savannah. And I was like, oh, she must be in I was like, I bet you she's in Savannah. And so she ended up posting it or whatever saying that she was in Savannah. So I was like, oh, okay. And so then I was like, well, Lord, you know, are you calling me Savannah? And I was like, well, no, I'm going to keep praying. And then I seen another lady was going to Savannah as well. But lo and behold you, the thing that blew me up my mind about the other lady was this other lady was the lady that was going with the first lady to Savannah. And I didn't even know it. You know, it was another lady that I come across on YouTube randomly. And she was talking about her journey to Savannah. And I was just like, Mambo, because I'm like, that's crazy. Like, that's crazy. I'm like, I didn't even know that these two people knew each other or whatever. I'm like, and so when I saw that, I was like, okay, cool, guy. I'm going to Savannah on the 27th. Cool. So on my way there, you know, as you guys have, if you have watched the video or whatever you see, and I, I even started off, I don't know if I posted that one, but in the beginning, I'm like, you know, there's nothing going to be made, nothing major happening. I'm just going to take you guys with me and da, da, da. And lo and behold, God blew my mind because the whole time I'm sitting here thinking like, this is just a reset trip, but it was a trip, a journey of God's love. It was a journey down to, to understand God's love. And I didn't know. And I even prayed. I was like, God, I don't know why you're allowing me to go to Savannah. Like, why Savannah? Like, what about Savannah is so important that you wanted me to hear, right? And so that's why I'm here today, because I want to give it to you the way the Lord gave it to me. So um, hope you guys are ready, because that was just intro, okay? <laughs> so first, uh, um, I want to look at, so we already looked at where where everything is coming from, or what it's based around. Ephesians 3.20, unthinkably good things. So first, I want to break down the word Savannah, right? So we know that Savannah is like a plain, it's grassland. Um, let me give you the actual definition of Savannah, um, Savannah is, um, an open plain 
or a treeless, treeless grassland. So like an open field, an open plain full of grass, like a, a plain, like a plain is a, a pasture, like an open field of grass, right? So we know that. Um, and this is important because I'm just making a mark here to let me know that I've already said that because I don't want to keep repeating the same things over and over. But uh, we know that, you know, so that's what a savannah is. So what I discovered is savannah is never, the word savannah or the name savannah is never actually used in the Bible, but the meaning is used so many times, right? Because we hear about pastures and fields and trees and field grasslands and everything like that. So uh, one thing that was really brought to my attention was that Savannah is also known for their oak trees. They have a uh, oak tree that has been there for, I think, 100 years old. Um, and it has, it represents history, right? It represents age and history. And what is Savannah known for? Savannah is known for history. And so when I heard that, I said, his story. I said, come on, Lord. So Jesus Christ, the story of Christ, right? And so when I heard the guy, because... I went on the the old the old trolley tour because I was like, okay, I'm by myself. I don't want to be out here walking at night trying to find my car. So I ended up parking at the the free parking at the trolley station. I got on at the first stop. It was 15 stops. I got on at the first stop and I got off on the 11th stop. I walked. I ate. I saw. I conquered. Took pictures. Looked at the water. I had a great time, you guys. I listened to the history, the facts. Um, and I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna make it like a small mini vlog for you guys of those who you, um, of, for those of you who want to see it. So I will post that, um, just to show you guys what I saw. And when I first got there, how, like, I confirmed, like, okay, yeah, this is where you're supposed to be. And so when the guy said, he said, you know, what is Savannah? He said, Savannah is known for its history. And when I heard that, I heard his story. And I said, Lord, Jesus Christ, his story, the story of Christ. And I said, okay, Lord, I've been called to come here for such a time as this. Like, let's get into it. So the um, that was one of the first things that I had heard. Well, no, the history part was actually one of the last things I heard because I heard this when I got back on the bus to go back to my vehicle. Um, the guy was saying, like, you know, Savannah is also known for his history. And um, that's when he starts talking about. Um, like the dynamic and history of it. And then in the previous ride, there was a lady on there and she started talking about and explaining like the oak tree that Savannah was known for their oak trees. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, so the oak tree has so many meaning. Like I said, the Candler oak tree is one of the oldest trees in Savannah, but Savannah is also known for their Southern oak tree. Like if you Google it, what is Georgia known for? It's going to tell you oak tree. So what does the oak tree represent? The oak tree, Repley, I'm talking about Repley, it represents that we are solidified, solid, I cannot talk, you guys. It represents that we are solidity found, solidity, I cannot talk these braces. Basically, we're on a solid foundation. We're founded in Christ, no matter what hardship come our way. Because when we think about the tree, we think about the tree of life. God is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the tree of life. The olive tree, right? Olive, um, the oak tree. So, trees, and when we think about the tree, what it represents, it represents life, because he's the tree of life. It represents growth, because when you think about like a family tree, that's branches. It branches out. Um, 
just what trees represent in the Bible. Like trees are mentioned so many times, grasslands are mentioned, and I'm going to go into that also. But basically, this is what, you know, was given to me. Like we're to be founded, firmly rooted in the ground and planted on solid foundation. So that when something comes up, because think about it, when a storm comes and sometimes it knocks trees down, but sometimes if they're big and they're rooted in solid foundation, they still standing tall. And like I said, sometimes trees get struck down and they fall over. Um, but that means that it's uprooted. Like it's been uprooted from the soil. But when you have a tree that is actually solid in foundation, that thing will withhold the test of time. Isn't that just like our journey with Christ? That no matter what comes against us, if we stand firm on the foundation of God, we may sway, we may fall, but we will get up and we will not be broken. And even when we are broken, God will be the tree of life, the life that puts us back together. That's his love. His everlasting love. Like, and I hope you guys are understanding this because I know my my tongue, my braces and stuff, it's I can't talk right, but I hope you get it. Okay. I hope you get it. So, um, but yeah, so that's what the tree represents. It represents life, growth, representing the abundant blessings that God bestows upon us in creation. So this is taking it where? Back to the beginning. What did I tell you guys? God gave me the word of Genesis. This is my Genesis. This is your Genesis. This is a new creation. This is a new beginning for many of you. And I'm just like, oh, when I read that, I was mind blown because I'm like, yes. And when does it say, and I'm going to go there shortly um, to let you know like what that entails. But I also want to let you know about the Oaks of Righteousness, which is mentioned in Isaiah 6.13. So basically, Isaiah 6.13 is a, a call to live in a way that pleases God by loving God, others, and ourselves to be the oaks of righteousness. Come on. Like, oh my God, that was just so profound for me. Cause I'm like, Lord, you are, you're so amazing. Like God will use anything. He will use anything and tie anything back together. Like I said, when I'm first, when I was like, oh, nothing's going to happen. I literally said it in one of my videos. I was like, you know, there's nothing pretty much. I'm just going to take you guys along the way. But little did I know there was something being birthed. When I went down there and when I came back. So, um, going back to the beginning. Let's start in Genesis 1. Guess what verse? Or, yes, 111. We're going to be in Genesis 111. But guess what's going to be brung up? And as I read it, you'll hear it. So, sorry, I'm getting my Bible. So, this is the creation, right? So, Genesis 1. If we, we run one, it tells you in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So if we jump down to one eleven. It says, then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds. And it was so the earth produced vegetation Seed bearing plants according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. It was what? It was good. Evening came and then morning the third day. Y'all, when I saw this, I was like, God. 
So there was there was pastures created. There was plains, open plains, green. Like things were being birthed on the third day. Trees, right? Like when I saw this, I was just like, God, you just continue to blow my mind. Like you continue to do what it is. So basically, Savannah represents creation. Because plains and grasslands were formed on the third day of creation. We just saw that in Genesis 1 and Genesis 1, 11. So another um, meaning for Savannah in Hebrew, it's a Hebrew variation, uh, means seven, right? And that also comes from Genesis 2, 2, or 2, 1 through 2. So let's turn there. Okay. So, if we look at Genesis 2, 2, it says, So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done and he rested. What did I tell y'all? God gave me seven days to rest. (laughs) He gave me seven days to rest and I did not do that. And another meaning of Hebrew variation of Savannah is seven so, I, and I also realized on the way back home, I said, God, I've completed something. I've completed something. And this was your, this is your reward to me. Like I've completed something. And this is you saying, job well done. Job well done. You completed the things that came up against you when you wanted to give up. When you want, when you were tired, you still more, like I told you guys, I moved in my apartment by myself. It took me three days. Come on, God. It took me three days to move. I could have done it in two, but God told me to stop. He said, stop, rest, sit down, take a breather, unpack some things. He told me to still be busy, but don't physically move anything. And he said, continue tomorrow. On the last day, it rained so bad, you guys. I I started moving on the, I was originally supposed to move on the 12th, but it got pushed to the 15th. And I started moving on the 15, but I started at like after two o'clock, right? And I ended up getting mostly half of the apartment done by like seven o'clock. And then that next day I went over, but I was tired. My body was just like, girl. And so I ended up moving a lot of stuff and I had like a few more things. And I was like, okay, I can finish today. And God was like, no, you're not going to finish today. Go back home and unpack, get, get the house in order. And then tomorrow I want you to come back and finish on the third day. I went back and I finished, but it was raining, you guys. And I said, well, Lord, he said, you can do it. I said, you're right. And I did it. I moved my sofa. I think it was like big stuff. I had like my sofa. I have a sectional, so it's two-piece. I had my sectional. I had my dresser. I had my desk, my chair, um, a rack. Like, it was just a bunch of big things. But I moved it, and I got done. By the time it was time to pick up my son, I was already done. I completed moving on the third day. And I said, Lord, that was nobody but you because in my strength, I could not have moved these things by myself. I did not have no help. Well, my best friend did come and help me put the dresser on um, the dolly. So I did move the dresser the night before, but I had a smaller little dresser. And I had my son's dresser that I moved by myself. But I was like, other than that, I moved every single thing by myself. I ended up getting a dolly from my apartments, but I was like, God, there's no way I should have been able to do this. And I ended up loading practically everything in my car or the wheeling. If it had wheels, I wheeled it over here. But I did not get a truck. I used my Kia Sportage. I let them seats down. And when my son was with me, I sat him in the front seat because we were going literally from not even a minute away. So I knew that he would be fine, you know, in the front seat. But 
That just goes to show you when you are weak, when it is your in your hands, God will give you strength to carry what it is that may feel intimidating to you. And I was tired. I said, Lord, can I please get some rest? <laughs> and he allowed me to go. But, you know, like I said, another Hebrew meaning of Savannah is seven. And so on the seventh day, it was done. It was completed. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. For on it, he rested from all his work of creation. That's Genesis 2. And so I was just like, wow, this is good. My God, <laughs> this is good. Like, like I said, who would have known Savannah had so much meaning behind it? I went there for a good time, entertainment, joy, which I still had that. But I also left with a heart full of joy and love because I knew that it was deeper than just me taking a ride. And I literally said, y'all, there ain't nothing finna come out of this. I'm just finna carry y'all with me. And the whole time God was like, yeah, okay, you got your plans and I have mine. So I thought that was good because like I said, Savannah um, in Hebrew, Hebrew variation means seven. It's also tied to the creation of story. It, the world was created in seven days. And seven is the number of completion. They marched around the walls of Jericho six days, but on the seventh day it was done. The walls came down, right? Seven is the number of completion. Um, and so based off of a different a variation of Bible verses and stories in the Bible, you can determine that Savannah biblically means blessed, vastness, and abundance. And where I got this from was that Savannah is the beauty of creation and vastness of God's love. And I'm going to break that down for you a little bit. So vastness I got from Moses in the promised land. God revealed the vastness of the blessings to come and his unending love. Like even though they complained about going there, God was still faithful. And even though, you know, they didn't get there and they didn't get there on time, um, everything had already been planned out and God's love and Moses pleaded with him about it. Right. So God's love was still there and he still showed them like, listen, huh? Y'all get on my nerves, but Moses pleaded. But God's love was un unending, unfailing. And we see also in Romans 8. Let me go there. Uh, 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 uh. Romans 8.38 says. Let me pull up on my phone. Because I don't want to lose where I'm at in my Bible. But, y'all... I hope y'all are getting this because I know it's kind of like all over the place. But basically, the the message is simple. God's love is never ending. It's unending. It will never fail you. And even when you feel like you've gone too far, he will come find you. So, Romans 8, 38. Is that what I said? 38. So, um, this is coming from the part where it talks about God everlasting love. Um, so I guess I'll read the whole thing. So what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who, wait, yes, he who did not spare his own son, but gave up for us all. He did not spare his own son, right? He gave his son so that we can have life and have life, life everlasting. So back to the scripture, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? There's that word again, things. We already heard good. We already heard things, all right? And now we're hearing things, right? So in 33, it says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? 
It is God who justifies. He who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus fights on our behalf. He pleads. Like the way Moses pled at that uh, mountain for his people. Jesus pleads for us at the throne of God, pleading for us, for his mercifulness and his grace and his justice. That we are still seen sovereign in his eyes. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. His love is everlasting. It's everlasting. Everlasting. Like, whew, nothing can stand against the love of God. No matter what you do, no matter how, how much you may feel like, oh, I'm, I'm too far. God, love will find you. And he's a God of so many chances, not just second chances, but he's a God of chances. So I thought it was beautiful, like the beauty of creation and vastness of his love. His love is everlasting. And abundance, I got abundance from um, the fact that planes not only have historic significance, but represent abundance. In Genesis 13, 10, and I can go there because I'm still in Genesis in my physical Bible. Genesis 13, 10 is what I said. I'm turning there. Give me a second. I don't think I highlighted this. No. Y'all, my little Bible is highlighted. I got so many things. So, 13, 10. And 13, 10 says... Um, it's the story about Lot, like when the separation came between Lot, um, and it explains why he chose. So basically, Lot chose the plain of the Jordan because of abundance. Um, and we know plain is like a, a grassland, right? Basically, a savanna. So um, Genesis thirteen ten says, Lot looked out and saw that the entire plain of the Jordan, as far as Zor, was well watered everywhere like the Lord's garden in the land of Egypt. So Lot chose the entire plan of the Jordan for himself. Then Lot journeyed cashward and they separated from each other. So basically, you know, Lot chose this because of the plane, the, because of what it looked like, the, the grassland. He chose the savannah, right? And I just put that in there to tie back. Because like I said, the word savannah is not mentioned in the Bible, but its meaning is. What Savannah represents, it, it, trees and grasslands and uh, pastures, plains, an open field. That is so, it started with those things. Like I said, on the third day, what did God add? He added trees and fruit that bears trees. So it's like, that was a part of creation. Like I said, Savannah was a new, uh, a creation, a new creation. And it's about history. When you go to Savannah, you learn of the history of creation. 
of where Savannah stemmed from, the creation of Christ is what, you know, God led me to. But his story, the story of Christ, God's love, how it started, how it ends. It begins with God and it ends with God. Okay. Okay. So I wanted to bring that in for, you know, just speaking about abundance. Um, and also in Psalm 65, 11, um, I can go there. Give me just a second. Like I said, you guys, it's going to be a bunch of going back and forth, but I hope it comes out and you get it. So at 65, 11 in Psalm 65, 11, a lot of people say Psalms with an S I'm not, and I was like, why do we say that? It's not Psalms. It's Psalm. <laughs> but, uh, just a little bob of humor, but. Psalm 65, 11 says, you crown the year with your goodness. Your carts overflow with plenty. The wilderness pastures overflow and the hills are robbed, sorry, robed with joy. The pastures are clothed with flocks and the valleys covered with grain. They shout in triumph. Indeed, they sing. So basically here, it just highlights the grassland overflow with abundance because of the Lord's blessing. Right? Um, and the word blessed, I tied with Savannah because of Genesis 27. Let me turn back there. Genesis 27, uh, 27, 28 through 29. So it's basically a bless, blessings from a father. So this is where... Jacob was blessed by his father, but it's basically the stolen blessing, okay? But it doesn't matter that someone tried to steal, you know, what the father gives to you. The father still is good, you know? Um, so, but this just signifies a blessing from a father. So, 27 through, uh, 27, 28 through 9 says, May God give to you from the dew of the sky and from the riches of the land an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow and worship to you. Be master over your relatives. May your mother's son bow and worship to you. Those who curse you will be cursed and those who bless you will be blessed. So that's where I got that from. Just blessings in association with grasslands and plains. Comes back to Savannah, right? Um, and then the one of all you guys, the one that we know very well, and somebody may have already thought about it, um, but I say the best for last, Psalms 23. Because what does it say about the green pastures? Psalms 23 is like our daily lives. like Because God is a good shepherd. But I'm going to read the whole Psalm of David. Psalm 23, the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path. For his name's sake, even though I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff that comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. If you notice, a lot of these passages have the word love in it. And a lot of these passages have the plains, the open fields, the grassland, the blessings, the abundance. And that's what was shown to me when I went to Savannah. And I kept seeing, I know it was about Valentine's Day, but I even said, I was like, Jacksonville, I ain't even seen these many Valentine's decorations in Jacksonville. When I got to Savannah, there were so many, like I told you guys, 
um, I kept seeing the Love gas station. I think it was a gas station, but like the Love gas station. And then on my way back home, it was dark. So when I seen the Love light, it had a heart that was lit up. And I just was like, oh my God, God, like your love is so, it's, it shines. Even in the darkness, it shines. It shines through the darkness. And isn't that what Psalms 23 says? His love shines through the darkness, even though the darkest valleys, and it's hard reading this version because I'm so used to the other one. So that's why I was like, let me just read it from beginning to end. Um, but it's, his love is so good. His love is so good. It's so good. And when I looked at um, the day that I went to Savannah, I was like, well, Lord, what is 127 tie in January 27th? What does that tie in? And I immediately, I kept remembering Psalm 127 because the Lord has been working on me with that to continue to build a house on him because if not, it's going to fall. If the house is built on anything else, it is not going to stand. And look at it. I turned right to it. Um, so Psalm 127 is the blessing of the Lord. So unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a sky, the watchman stays alert in vain. In vain, you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to one to the one he loves. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. And so I was like, God, this is good because the Lord has been telling me that just for a while, just to continue to build on the foundation. And that goes back to what the oak tree represented. His firm foundation. The oaks of righteousness. All of trees of life, like be trees of life, be salt in the world where it's full of darkness. Stand firm on his foundation because his love will succeed. His love will get you through. Even though the trees may sway in the winds to and fro, your foundation will never fall flat. You will not fall. You will not be struck. You will not break. Because you are on a foundation that is solid. Like I said, the oldest tree, the Candler, Candler Oak Tree in Savannah, that thing is huge. And it's still growing. And if you look at a lot of the parks, there was a park, um, what was it? Um, Madison Square. It's called like Madison Square. And I thought that was so funny because the lady was like, well, now you can tell people that, you know, you visited Madison Square. And I thought that was funny. But when you look at Madison Square in Savannah, Georgia, it's filled, a lot of their parks are filled with just like walkways that have oak trees that in the top of the oak trees are cut like an arch. It's like the way it's paid for you. Come on, Lord. Psalms 23, what does it say? Let me go back. Psalms 23, what does it say? He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The way was paved. And I was like, wow, when I see that, I'm like, this is just a depiction of what God loves represents. God is the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, my goodness, guys. Um, and something else that I had written down to just tie in the seven was Genesis 41, 48, where it says, 
Joseph gathered all the excess food in the land of Egypt during the seven years and put it in the cities. He put the food in every city from the fields around it. So Joseph stored up grain in such abundance, like the sand of the sea, that he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measurable. Let me tie this back into it, okay? It ties it back. And I hope you guys can hear me over these people that are doing this line. Like, I hate it. They're here every single day. Okay. Because I know you can hear them from afar, but it was like at my front door. But anyways, they're here like every day. But like I said, Genesis 41, 48, that just ties in everything I said. Like, the number seven in abundance. And what does it say? Um, like the sand of the sea that he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measurable. Unthinkable. Unthinkable good things. God's got so many things that he's about to do that you could have never imagined. And you're going to stop counting because you're going to just be like, you're just going to be in worship and praise and thankfulness. Thanking God for the things that he's doing because his love is so sovereign. His love is so just. God is going to blow your mind the way he's going to show up. And it may not be physical, actual rewards, but it just may be him showing up for you. Him doing things that, like I told you guys, with the unexpected, the expedited promises. Something so simple as getting packages to you before it's time. Delivering people from things and places to people that you've been praying for for years. These people are now coming out of bondage. Men and broken pieces together, broken relationships, things that God wants to do in your life. So whatever prayers you're praying, just know that even if he has not answered you, he has definitely heard you. Be not weary in well-doing. Continue to stand for that thing. Continue to stand in the gap and pray. Pray. Continue to trust and believe. Because <laughs> his love is abundant and it is good. He has so many unthinkably good things coming your way. And the last thing I want to leave you guys with, because I already broke down everything I wanted to say about Savannah, because that was just, that was long-winded, okay? That whole part was just about, you know, Savannah and tying it back to the word of God. But that, like, God gave me so much on that trip. And like I said, I put it in the other video because it was a lot. But it goes back to just his love. And to to finish up, the movie, I'm thinking of... Okay, you guys. One last thing. I know I said I was finished. But one last thing that I just realized that I forgot to add on here was about... And I think you may have seen it um, in the... You, well, I know you heard me talk about it in the episode from valentine's day and i had had planned on speaking about it and letting you guys know what this represented um and i forgot i wrote it down but i forgot because everything just got so long with it and then today i was reminded that okay you didn't put that in there so i just want to add this little piece on here so it shouldn't be too too long so um i don't know if you recall but I said when I went to Savannah, as soon as I got in the state line of Georgia, I seen a sign to my right that said Purple Heart City. And prior to that, I got two coffees from the coffee shop I go to with Purple Hearts on it. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, 
or whatever. And so when I got to the state line of Georgia and I seen the Purple Heart City, I was like, wow, I'm like, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And so I dove a little deeper into this to figure out, okay, what is a Purple Heart City? Because I think I've also seen that here in Jacksonville, but I've never paid any attention. I just noticed it because I noticed the Purple Hearts on my two coffees that I got. And I wish I would have took a picture, but I didn't know. I figured there was something there, but I didn't know it was something there. So yeah, bear with me. So um, I went ahead and looked it up um, to see what the Purple Heart represented. Um, so basically, the Purple Heart City, um, it is a it's something connected with the military. Um, so the purpose of being a Purple Heart City is to express gratitude to the sons and daughters of our community who were either wounded or killed in combat, defending the freedoms enjoyed by all Americans, okay? So that's what the meaning of the Purple Heart is. But as you all know, I got to give it to you the way God gave it to me. So when I looked at this, I was like, okay, Lord. So when I think about um, wounded or, you know, hurt in combat or killed in, in combat, um, I, you think about the war, right? You think about war. You think about, I think this is more towards like military. And so when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, like the army of God. Like, we are wounded and we are sometimes killed because we are followers of Christ. We are followers of Christ and we're wounded sometimes. We're beaten sometimes. We're we're killed and slaughtered because of who we follow, of what we believe. Um, and this is an honor, like a badge of honor to represent who you represent. Who that you, you fought in a war and that, you know, you're honored. And so that's what it is when you're following Christ, that God honors you because of who you decided to follow. What does his word say? It says, follow me. Look at how all the people that were brutal. Look at what happened to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Look how, um, who was it? Peter? Was it Peter that got, um, that was in prison? I think it was Peter. Peter or Paul. I think it was Peter. But one of them, you know, was in prison because of what they chose to do. Some of them were, you know, beaten and you know, just mistreated because of who they decided to follow. You know, look at the life of Jesus. Look at how he was beaten and he was thrown on that cross and he died for our sins. And so when I seen this, I was like, wow, this is crazy because I never looked into the Purple Heart City. I didn't even, I knew it existed, but I never dove into it because like I said, it was never given to me like this. So I was looking into it and I read something that says a lot of people don't know the gravity, the pain behind this Purple Heart Award. We lost a lot of brothers. This is an award no service member wants to get, but it's an award we're all ready and willing to receive for the love of our country. We're in this together. Our men fight together. We live together. We do this for the love of our country. This award, it signifies more than just bravery and winning and combat. It's so much more than that. It's more than that. Is that not what it's like to follow Christ? It's deeper than what you see. It's deeper to just say, I'm a believer. It's deeper than just knowing scripture and knowing the people of the Bible and the stories. It's deeper. It's about a relationship. It's about what it means to know God's love. What it means to know that you can be forgiven from the things that you've done to have an everlasting love. It's deeper than that. And when I saw this, I'm like, wow, it signifies more than just bravery and winning and combat. How many things is that? One, two, three. 
worth all three of those things, there's one message. It's deeper than that. Is that not like what it is to follow Christ? It's deeper than just saying, I know Bible. I go to church. I sometimes pray. I pray all the time. It's deeper than that. It's about a relationship. God loves you and he wants to be in relationship with you. He wants you to wear that badge of honor. To say that not only am I a believer, I'm a follower and I follow him wholeheartedly. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I mess up. Yes, I fall. Yes, I stumble. But God still loves me. He still loves me. He still loves me. It's unconditional. <sighs> so that's the last part. I wanted to add it on there because I thought that was so important. I can't believe I forgot it, but God brought me back to it today. And I said, you know what, God? You're right. I did forget about it. I, I literally have the, the stuff written out, but I forgot because I was led somewhere else. But that's okay because God brought it back to me. And I'm back here to give it to you. So I hope that it's blessed you and I'm done for this time. Bye.